Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, a lifelong homeschooling parent, author, and president of Chula Vista Christian University, a four-year university that centers on mentor-driven, Bible-based, debt-free higher education. Visit us at cvcu.us to see how we are taking back education for the next generation. Pastors, if you'd like to know more about how you can play a vital role in rescuing the outsourced generation, go to cvcu.us and click the Start an Academy tab. We can have your rescue campus running in four weeks anywhere in the United States. Well, I'm very excited about today's guest. You know, I get to meet a lot of great visionaries at our conservative city meetings when I encourage you to get involved in your city. And a couple of weeks ago, I got to meet a candidate who's running for District 3 City Council in San Diego, and he has such a unique perspective on some of the socioeconomic challenges that we're facing in San Diego. And I thought our listeners would so enjoy hearing both his experience and his plan of hope. So join me in welcoming District 3 City Council candidate, Ellis California Jones. Welcome, Ellis. Hey, Dr. Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. Ellis, I was so excited to hear from at the beginning of the show, uh, before we went on air, I asked you if this was your your real name, Ellis California Jones. And I love that you you were literally born for this state, born for this moment. You've had quite a journey to get where you are now. And you shared some really powerful testimonials in the meeting when I met you a couple of weeks ago. Tell us a little bit about your journey and what it's taken to get where you are right now. Yeah, no problem. So I guess it kind of starts, I grew up here in San Diego. My father is from Mississippi. My mother is from Charleston, South Carolina. Um, And so is my older brother. I was born in Balboa Hospital. My father was was in the Navy at the time with my mother. They were married. And we lived, bounced around, but we lived in Sarah Mesa. We lived in Murphy Canyon military housing for quite a while. I believe I was in third grade when my mother and my father split up and I ended up going with my mother to East San Diego, which was a much harder community. And that's where I grew up, City Heights, San Diego. From there, I played football, always played sports, played baseball, played football. Growing up in East San Diego, it wasn't the best atmosphere. Obviously, you had a lot of, there was a lot of crime out there. There was, you know, people using drugs. You know, when we're kids, we hang out, we play outside, and you have, we'd be interacting with guys on drugs, crackheads, dope fiends, and things like that. Would understand growing up at that time, I always thought it was normal. I tried to stay out of it. My mom kept me, even though she was a single, a single parent, my mom, my dad was always out to sea, especially after they divorced. My dad spent a lot of time going out to sea. We weren't living with him, so he would go out there for months at a time. But my mom, she always worked. She was always involved in our education and everything. But when you're a single mother working, I guess me and my brother, we were like latchkey kids. We'd come home, my mom would be at work, would be working 
extra hours and we work in a double shift or another job at times. And we it would just be me and my brother and we'd go outside, hang out, try to avoid a lot of the bad things that were going on. But in my experience, I thought I had a, a good childhood. It's kind of important to my campaign, but I'll go back to the our actual neighborhood that I grew up in being torn down. They built their whole shopping center and everything, which led to me and my mother and my brother being homeless for a bit of for a bit of time. We lived in and out of our car. We ended up living in a days in hotel. But then my mom ended up getting in a little bit of trouble herself and ended up going to jail in which my dad ended up taking custody of me and I lived with him for the duration of my high school years in which I played football at Hoover High School. But me and him, him coming back into my life, it was always a, you know, it was a little rocky, you know, having your father come back in your life after you've been with your mother for a long time. And he wasn't an absent father at all. He was always there. He always supported whatever we needed. We needed money, shoes, clothes, whatever it was, he would be able to send it to us. But obviously he wasn't there present in the house. But during high school, I moved with him. It was a little rocky. Uh, He still was going out to sea, so I was there sometimes by myself for some months. And I played football at Hoover. And that's what kind of took me out of the streets and the gangbanging and everything. I really latched on to playing football and ultimately got a scholarship, had a full-ride scholarship to San Jose State. Yeah, that was kind of my childhood. Went to San Jose State. It was up north. And from up there, I played for two years. Ended up during the summer of 2006, I ended up getting involved with some guys from my childhood I grew up with. And we ended up getting involved in a, in a string of armed robberies between Central California and Northern California. And I ended up getting arrested and charged with the robberies, went to trial, was facing life. And it was during that time I kind of started reading the Constitution and the law and things like that because I wanted to, you know, know what I was facing. It was foreign to me. And now thinking of it, we don't really learn too much about the law and the court system in school. At least I didn't, not the schools that I went to. I went to public schools my whole life. And so they didn't really give us those type of tools. So when I you know, coming from college and going to prison, I probably was a little bit more or a lot more smarter than the average uh, incarcerated individual. And so I was able to really look into my own case. And I started to look into the law and was in, in the charges that I was faced with. And it was a point in time when I think it was after my preliminary hearing where my lawyer, and I'll get into the details of the case and everything, but it was a point in time where I got to my preliminary hearing where I felt my lawyer was being dishonest with me. And so at that moment, I started to take control of my own case and I became my own lawyer. And at that moment, Dr. Lisa was when I really could say, started me on my path to conservatism. And you had kind of a, well, first, I mean, the exemplary you know, the the way that you lived giving, you, you talked about you were teaching others in prison, you started teaching literacy skills. I think you getting a hold of the idea that you had not been taught correctly, which we talk a lot, a lot about on the show, you hadn't learned the things that really were important to protecting your own, not only your own freedom, but also, you know, an understanding of how our country was built on personal freedoms and responsibility. 
but you you helped inmates earn their GED. What what kind of pushed you to this motivation? And then I want to talk about that wake up call because you shared it, um, how that kind of awakened your heart for politics and what was happening in the country at that time. But talk about what how did you how did you where did that motivation come from for you to to start teaching and caring about other people like that? Where it really started started when I was going to trial and I really started to take control of my own case. The night before, I remember it like it was clear as day. The night before, I actually looked up how much time I was facing, and it was only 12 years. And I went to my lawyer, and I asked him, and he pulled out my information sheet that showed the the crimes I was charged with. And he started to add at the time, like, how much time I was facing. And when he added it up, he had, like, 60-something years and he was trying to get me to take a deal for 25. I believe it was 25. And I, I was like, no, I'm not facing 25. I'm facing 12 years. And so when I said that, he was like, oh, no, you're facing 60 years. And I just felt that my lawyer was misleading me. And it kind of clicked when I and I wasn't the smartest guy in in the county jail, but I have been to college for two and a half years whereas the average person in county jail probably didn't even have their GED. And I really realized that if they, if my lawyer felt like he can mislead me like this, imagine how many other individuals may be misled. And then another thing, Dr. Lisa, I realized very quickly in jail and in prison was that the educational level of the, you know, average criminal was very, very low. Like a mistake, like, it was it was so low and that was a common denominator between everybody it wasn't race you know every yeah every white person every indian american every asian person the common denominator was a lack of education when we say education is power right i know police departments have told me that they know how many prison beds they're going to need in a city based on the illiteracy rates of fourth graders you know when we get behind in education when we're not when we're not taught, especially for boys in our culture who say they hate school by the age of seven because they're not taught in the way they should be taught. And you heard a figure who inspired you. What happened in prison? Tell me more about that. Okay, so, and I didn't want to skirt around it because I think it's important. I went to prison for armed robberies. I was around 19, 20 years old, got involved with the wrong people, ended up going to trial and was ultimately found guilty of being of conspiracy and being associated with them but and i wanted to say that because it's important because i don't want to gloss over it there were people that were hurt and i understand that but with that said i had went to jail for that and my my whole life I, i i felt like in my community we were victims and i felt that that was a narrative being pushed on us Mm. And so that was kind of, I wouldn't say I was a Democrat, but that was the mindset that I kind of had. And it was in prison where I kind of had to wake up and realize that things like security was important. Things like education is very important. Family is very important. All your friends leave you when you go in that place, but your family is still there. So those were some of the values that I felt were very important. Also being locked up with a lot of people in the Latino community who are closer to you know, some Christian values and mm-hmm. things like that. And a lot of brothers who moved to Christianity, but it was, 
I, I was sitting, oh, and also Obama running for presidency, obviously him being a black male, brought my, you know, my antennas went up like, okay, I see how it is. And I seen how America did give him, you know, a fair shot. Mm-hmm. And I seen the same thing in trial. But what really got me really interested in politics, I'm not going to lie, was I was watching CNN and I, I had seen Trump announced when he was on a staircase and he was talking about Hispanic Americans and some of the bad things they do. They do a lot more great things than the bad, but he was talking about some of the things that people didn't talk about. And that was one of the interesting things. But the other thing was I was watching the CNN event where Trump was supposed to be in Chicago and they had a, they had a black brother who was on the stage and I think he took the sign and everything and they were trying to get him to go down. It was the whole spectacle. And I started to see, they were trying to turn, you know, black people against Trump. And I was, I would watch a lot of Don Lemon at this time on CNN. And I believe this was, uh, yeah, it was, it was during his first election. And I was, I would watch a lot of Don Lemon during this time and they would just, harass Trump and get on him all the time but one thing I never would you know expect was that they were on the news and they kept showing the black guy on the stage at the Chicago event and they kept saying oh Trump's event had to be canceled in Chicago because of protesters and everything and they were just it it looked very bad for Trump and guess who calls into the radio station (laughs) Donald Trump (laughs) <laughs> and he called it to the radio station because at this time I was, you know, I was supporting Trump. I, I liked what he was saying. And I was telling people. So my cellmate at the time, we were both watching this and he was like, oh, where's your boy Trump, man? Look, it's all bad for him. And guess who calls in, That's Dr. Lisa? <laughs> Donald Trump. I've never seen a president call into the radio station like, oh, wait up, sir. That's not how. And that's pretty much how he, he called in. Like, no, Don, that's not how it went. And he started to speak up for himself. You know, and that was what really turned the lights on. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we can, we don't have to go through handlers and have speech writers and things like that to be able to speak up for yourself. Right. And I think that's what's needed in San Diego. But that's what really turned the tide and had me supporting Trump during that first election. And I also supported him during the second election. But the ability to be able to speak to you know we say in layman's terms but the ability to be able to speak directly to the people but also to defend yourself if you're not going to defend yourself how can you defend a country and so that's what really kind of woke me up to make me the you know it allowed me to realize like hey i don't have to go to harvard or have some you know super high degree to be able to at least represent people and to speak up for myself. That's right. And when we look at all of the races that go uncontested in the county of San Diego, that we're just saying somebody needs to step up. But you've seen the you've seen the brokenness of the city. You've seen the impact of brokenness in your own life. And now to be able to turn that around and say, I'm not a victim. I have power. I have agency. I have the ability to make something not only myself, but also of my city. And I know you shared about how you you worked your way up. It wasn't expecting, you know, people just to to take you under their wing, which is amazing when people do, but it doesn't always happen, you know. And when we've when we've grown up in a home where we haven't had the, you know, the constant attention of two parents, which really is the difference maker for a lot of people in the, you know, when we look statistically, uh, David Blankenhorn and, and Papineau have uh, Blankenhorn and Papineau have written a book called Fatherlessness: America's Most Urgent Social 
issue that, you know, there's a, a whole city around us where parents are disengaged, where, uh, where people feel like victims. And I know some of the things you post on social media, you're, you're tracking that you see what's really happening in our city. What made you want to say, it's me, here am I, send me, I'm going to step up to the call and run for office. What really tipped the scales was there was a construction, there was construction going on right outside of my window for months. And it was causing, and it was going on at night. It would start at 10 o'clock at night. And it, my, my, my girlfriend, you know, she would, she would complain about it. She's from Cincinnati. She didn't have, she didn't grow up. She, she's a black woman. She didn't grow up in the, the stereotypical black circumstance, right? She didn't grow up as the victim or anything mm-hmm. like that. She grew up in a middle-class Cincinnati home and in a Christian home. It, it was affecting our quality of life, this construction that's going on outside of our window. Mm-hmm. And so I started to look it up. I complained. I wrote to the city, started to look and see who was running my district. And that's when I found Stephen Whitburn and I started to look into him. And I was at first I was fair. I I wrote him. I wrote his staff was trying to get to the bottom of the situation. When I had gotten no response, I really started to look into who the guy was. And then I looked up the electoral, the the election of 2020 and seeing, you know, he had 77,000 votes, but he also ran against another Democrat. And then I started looking into other races and you're right. I started seeing people were unopposed and it was just like people weren't, were, weren't stepping up. But the, the biggest thing was when I started this, I do, I work for a company that does home inspections. And obviously with my past, there was some anxiety, Dr. Lisa, (laughs) going to people's homes and stuff. You know, it's hard to go to somebody's home, first of all, right? <laughs> Knock on the door and everything. Right. They don't know you, right? right? But also just having what was in my past and mm-hmm. just just honestly feeling, still feeling some guilt. Yeah. It was hard for me to go to people's houses. But the 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 warmth and embrace of people like in Santee and, mm-hmm. and Skyline, just the, the, the conversations I, were ha- I was having with people really made me feel comfortable. That's great. You know, and I welcome that. But the reason that really got me to think, you know, somebody has to step up, especially a conservative voice. Countless amount of times I've done an inspection to somebody's house and they have Fox News on and they'll turn it down. And I'm sitting there like, shoot, I was just listening to Fox News before I pulled up. Like, what's going on with Trump? And so I, they, they would assume I was a Democrat or even liberal or whatever. And then I'll start talking to them and then. The more we talked, I started to see that it, it didn't matter if it was, you know, uh, Mexican-American family living in National City or a s- super wealthy Jewish-American guy living in Rancho Penasquitas. Or the, a lot of people were fed up with what was going on. Right. A lot of people were very politically uh, tuned in, you know, but people would turn their Fox News down. So there has been a lot of there's been a lot of, uh, we call it in, you know, how I grew up, we call it tucking of the chain. You know, you have a nice chain on, but you go through a certain neighborhood, you put your chain inside of your t-shirt, <laughs> you know, because you don't want nobody. A lot of people have been tucking in their political affiliation. It's good. And they've been tucking in their opinions, Dr. It's Lisa. good. Yeah. And so 
that's what I, I felt that somebody needs to stand up and it has to be a strong voice who's not afraid of any political ramifications. Yep. yep. Wow, Ellis. Well, good for you. What an exciting time to be alive. You were born for this. I'm so excited to see where this heads. So where can listeners learn more about you? I know you've got great plans we didn't even get to with your over regularization of small businesses and some other great really hope for the city of San Diego. Where can listeners learn more about you? You can find me at jones3 for district3.com. That is jones3 for district3.com, obviously wwwjones 3 for district3.com. Uh, the campaign is Ellis California Jones for City Council 2024. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We're so excited to see everything that God's going to do in and through you. If you're new to the show, you can catch all the episodes on the Communication Architect podcast. Just scroll back for more episodes, interviews, and tips of the trade. Again, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn. Thanks for joining us here on Mindset Matters. We'll be back next week with more interviews and tips to help you break free from the system. We'll see you then. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at Dr. Lisa Dunn or via email to contact at drlisadunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.